0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to drop a like, subscribe, follow, whatever button you use on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On today's episode we are going to be continuing our favorite players of hockey and we will have one or two Jets on this list as some recent Winnipeg fan favorites as well as maybe some players who didn't get enough love or maybe deserve a little bit more and have now gotten it in hindsight after they have in fact departed the Jets. We'll start with one of our most easily beloved players, though, who is not a Winnipeg Jet, but certainly one of the most popular faces within the NHL, and this is Alexander Ovechkin. Most people just seem to like Ovechkin because, uh, apart from his bubbly personality and the fact that he has been around since the dawn of the modern era of hockey, he is, in many respects, one of the most visible faces, personalities, and play styles within the NHL. There's really no one like him, and I feel like that makes him something that is wholly unique as far as I'm concerned. Ovechkin is a bit like Carlson in the sense that he always seems to light up a room wherever he goes. He's greatly, greatly respected by um, friends and opponents alike, and he's been plying his trade for so long now that, you you know, (laughs) somebody said, how do you stop Ovechkin? And of course, There is no way you stop Ovechkin, he just is who he is, and the only reason that Ovechkin stops uh, scoring goals in the particular manner that he does, which, spoiler alert, is on that left face self-circle area, and if he doesn't, it's because he's either not in tip-top shape or the goalie is just getting very fortunate and can count his or her blessings on that particular day. Ovechkin is, in many respects, one of the greatest goal scorers ever, and is arguably the greatest goal scorer ever, though I'm sure someone out there is going to have a different opinion. I'm going to head that one off at the pass and say they'd just be wrong, because I feel like Ovechkin, in the way that he has scored goals, and the way that he has created a style of play that is entirely his own, makes him truly a singular figure in all of NHL history. There are some surprisingly underrated aspects to his game and I think the first is that he's actually like a power forward in a lot of ways. Ovechkin uses his huge muscular um, tall and very broad frame to get in between defenders and then essentially work along the walls either doing some puck recoveries or aggressively shielding the puck. Whatever it is that he needs to get into the spaces that he likes because that's ultimately part of a key to him exploiting space and getting into those dangerous scoring areas. Now the thing with Ovechkin is that everywhere on the ice is basically a dangerous scoring area for him because of his uh, insane release, incredible upper body strength, and almost freakish physique. He really is just an unholy terror of an NHL player and I feel like that makes him such a unique combo because a lot of a lot of bigger guys aren't as mobile as fast Or as coordinated as Ovechkin is, but he actually uses his size to a major advantage in the way that he likes to wind up, likes to find himself in open spaces, and also he's like really not afraid to mix it up and get into uh, something of a scrap. He definitely is not a big fighter, but when I say scrap, I mean battles along the walls, sometimes he actually throws some really edgy and dangerous hits. And he kind of does like to charge guys. I mean, Ovechkin is one of those dudes who is quietly a very physical, almost bullyish power forward, who just also happens to be one of the greatest snipers of his generation. The reason that I think he tends to be so beloved aside from his on-ice exploits is because off the ice, he's just kind of a nuts character. He just has this larger-than-life personality, and I feel like everywhere he goes, A, people know him outside of hockey, and B, he just seems to make people happy because he constantly is very lighthearted, very uh, self-aware, a little bit silly, and he also has some really funny commercials from the past couple of years including stuff like, uh I think he had like a pizza commercial, he's been on some weird car commercial, I mean Ovechkin has been in so many different kinds of weird pieces of media and advertisements around this area that he really is... Something of an icon. I mean, he even has his own serial around here called Ovios. What is interesting about him is that, in a lot of respects, you would think that his support of Vladimir Putin would actually cause a lot bigger of a stir than it really does. But I tend to think that because of who Ovechkin is, and because of how famous and popular and fun his personality is, people tend to overlook that particular blemish on his record. And yet, what is something that is a little bit puzzling, even as somebody who, you know, likes the Caps and likes Ovechkin's career and stuff, it it does seem interesting that they don't do the same for a lot of other players who have had to essentially support Putin under a lot of pressure. I think Malkin has talked about it before in the sense that, you know, they kind of made veiled threats towards the players and their families if they didn't show up at Putin events and different things like that. And obviously, I think the situation and culture there is very different than what we're used to. I've never gotten the sense that Ovechkin, though, had that same level of pressure. It it generally seems like he shows up at these events almost willingly. So I I would assume that he does support Putin more than, you know, someone who is under duress and having to do it. But aside from that, I think people tend to really like him anyways, because, again, he has this fun-loving personality. His hockey is next level. And he has been an icon and a staple of NHL All-Star games and of their press events. Pretty much everything that they could possibly market around him, they have. I think it's also safe to say that, you know, as as troubling as his political views can be, he's not exactly the only one who has these particular perspectives. And so I think that that is something that, you know, does create cognitive dissonance. But I think a lot of sports fans tend to put these things aside because, like they always say, they like to leave politics out of sports, at least politics that they tend not to agree with. As far as the rest of Ovechkin's career is concerned, I think his reputation kind of speaks for itself. You know, he's a, uh, a Rocket Richard winner, multiple 50-goal seasons, probably the greatest goal scorer I will ever see in my entire life, even above someone like Patrick Line. He was just capable of, of so many magic moments throughout the early years of his career all the way till now, and I, I anticipate many years down the road, he'll still be kicking. He wants to hunt Gretzky's goal record down, and one day he might finally get it. Hunting down Gretzky's goal record may be pretty difficult for Ovechkin to pull off, but what isn't difficult to hunt down is the exact car part you need when you need it at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Featuring an intuitive, easy-to-use website where you can filter by make, year, model, and price range for the parts you want to pay, you'll never have a problem finding what you need for your vehicle when you need it. RockAuto.com stocks everything from engine control modules to new floor mats. And you could save anywhere from 20, 30, 40, even 50% off of retail in-store brick-and-mortar pricing. Why wait in line at a brick-and-mortar retail store when you can find the exact same parts for less online at RockAuto.com? Even better, the low prices are always the same for everyone no matter who you are, whether you're an amateur DIYer or a veteran car mechanic. Save yourself the time, frustration, and expense of going out to a brick and retail mortar store and shop online at rockauto.com, where they have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. On our list of beloved hockey players, we're going to start moving to some of the Winnipeg players. Uh, These are also fan favorites from both our fan base and other fan bases, even if they have a little bit of infamy attached to them. And I think the first one that I'm going to choose is Dustin Bufflin. It is really hard to dislike Dustin Bufflin unless you're like a Hawks fan or something and watch him truck your favorite players. Bufflin is a lot like Ovechkin in that I think he forged a really unique identity among hockey players Because of the way that he plays and the way that he approaches the game, he's just, he's he's really singular, really unique, and he has had to defy a lot of odds to get where he is. I believe he was the last overall pick in the year of the draft he was taken, and at the time the Chicago Blackhawks GM said that no way was Bufflin ever going to become an NHLer. Throughout Dustin's entire career, he has proved time and time again that everyone who believed bad things about him and that he wasn't going to be anything were dead wrong. ...and that he was here to stay and become a fixture of this league for many years to come. Bufflin is kind of an interesting guy because his actions on the ice tend to be a lot louder than his actual spoken words. He seems like a fairly reserved guy, except when he goes out you know, goes out there to do a job and really get it done in, in very emphatic style. For a long time he was deployed as a winger, but I think once he got moved back to the blue line section... ...where he's basically been for the rest of his entire career, Bufflin has shown off a, a kind of dynamism and uniquely physical presence that no one else really brings. Because I think a lot of what he does so well is that he's able to use his his huge frame, his incredible upper body strength, and his excellent mobility for a guy of his size to get into those really dangerous scoring areas to create a ton of havoc in the offensive zone and use that physicality to shut down opposing players in his own end. While his defensive impacts were kind of mediocre until the later stages of his career... I still think that as far as being difficult to play against and being an imposing figure when you pair him with somebody who's a little bit more defensively minded, Bufflin was a wholly unique player and one of the most consistently entertaining players that I've ever gotten to watch in my entire life. I I know that his divorce with the Jets was a little bit messy, and I feel like really we we lost out on something special with him. You know, I I know that uh, obviously things are always complicated in these situations, And sometimes they're really unavoidable. But I still will always miss Bufflin because I feel like as far as being a fixture, not only in Winnipeg, but in the entire NHL, he was somebody who you can never replace. Everyone remembers when he, you know, trips and falls and takes out two Sharks players plus his own teammate. And then in a scrum, will grab two guys by the scruff of the neck and drag them out, which I think somebody dubbed the uh, taking out the trash. No matter what, it always just seemed like Bufflin enjoyed playing hockey, no matter what it was that he was doing, and I feel like his personality, his energy on the ice, and his somewhat dry but very sharp wit and slightly sarcastic nature, I'm just going to miss that. You know, Bufflin was truly a special player, and it's a shame that at this stage his career is basically over, and you know, I I think that he left on pretty messy terms. Hopefully, you know, Jets fans will always remember him fondly because... What he brought to this team and what he brought to this league was truly rare, you know, and I think being a player of color, he also helped to push, you know, boundaries in a league that is predominantly white and still is. There just aren't many players of color. I mean, as a half Korean, I don't even have that many Asian players to identify with, and it's not like I need that, but I really like seeing representation and diversity in a league that predominantly favors rich white families, There are a lot of kids out there, though, that may be identified with Bufflin and felt like, you know, one day that that could be them on the ice, too, even though the sport may not have opened doors to them yet. Even beyond that, Bufflin's identity as, as truly a special and unique player in this league will never be forgotten, no matter what he does or where he goes. I kind of feel like at this point he just wants to sort of take it slow and kind of retire and enjoy, really having spent a long time in the NHL, certainly a lot longer than anyone expected. When he got drafted by Chicago, you know, people had so many doubts and so many, I guess, reservations about the kind of capabilities that he would have, especially as an NHLer. I'm glad that we got to see him for as long as we did because truly there's never been a player like him, and I don't think there ever will be again. Somebody who combines his strength, physicality, his personality, and the fact that he can really attack the net really well, create a ton of net front chaos, and also slap shots from the point in. While skating like the wind, as a big guy especially, is just something so special, and I I feel privileged, to be honest, to have gotten to have seen uh, some of the more fun years of his career, especially as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. I think we can all appreciate that, especially this season, his absence was immediately noticeable on that right side, and uh, yeah, you know, I don't really know what Winnipeg's going to do in his absence. The Jets obviously have plenty of defender prospects coming in through the pipeline, but no one is ever going to be quite like Bufflin and I I think that that is one thing that's going to be so unfortunate to watch down the road, is as much skill as the Jets do have coming in the pipeline, I think we all still love the kind of player that Bufflin was. High energy, high physicality, high strength, and just someone who was so dynamic for being a really strong, big dude. Obviously, the Jets are moving in a different direction now, and I think that Bufflin was always going to be on the fringes going forward, especially at his age. If ever the Jets have a mini Hall of Fame of some sort, I hope that Buffalo ends up in the rafters. I know that that's never going to happen for the you know most likely future, or foreseeable future, whatever you want to say about it. I don't think that he will be elevated to quite that status, but for me as a fan, that is always something that I will think of him as. The final guy on my list is somebody who had a similarly messy divorce from the Jets, and somebody who I will always love no matter what and that is Tobias Enstrom. Enstrom is kind of an interesting player because, unlike Bufflin, I think Enstrom tended to have a reputation as being a very soft player and somebody who was easily bodied, easily knocked off the puck, and not defensively sound. When you think about the way that Enstrom plays, I tend to think that he was a very cerebral defenseman and somebody who, you know, his best years were really with the Atlanta Thrashers, and the Jets fans only saw fragments of that really high-end offensive, two-way defensive capability in the very early years of his time with the team. When he was with Atlanta, he was like a 50-point, uh, two-way transition D with tons of offensive upside, a smart shot, great distribution, and pretty good mobility. When he you know, came to the Jets over the years, he definitely started to decline and his knees started to give out as well. But what he lacked in sheer mobility... Enstrom made up for with incredible smarts, really good positioning, and uh, ultimately just being very crafty. You know, he was a guy who couldn't really chase down the highest speed forwards uh, like Connor McDavid. I mean, good luck chasing down McDavid. The only guy that I've seen it do it for the Jets was like Vili Heinola in one game. And yet, Enstrom, no matter what, always persisted on the play, didn't give up, tried to fight for every moment where you know he could try and force a turnover from the puck, and really shield people from getting to the net. For a guy who was definitely shorter in stature compared to the rest of the league, Enstrom was somebody who, at his peak, was truly a shutdown blue liner. He truly was, especially in the later years of his career, something of a uh, a real fox in his own end. I mean, he could leave the puck very carefully. He was good at boxing players out. He had a very uh, creative stick. And even though he got injured a lot, he was somebody who always tried to get back up and keep fighting. What most bums me out about him, aside from, uh, you know, not being with the team anymore, which I think everyone has now realized, is that a lot of fans really crapped on Enstrom for many seasons They kept saying he was weak, he was soft, he wasn't defensively stout, all of these things about him that were just completely untrue, and it was only after he left, and they watched the entire Jets defensive core completely fall apart, did they realize that Enstrom was incredibly important to the reason why this team was so successful. Enstrom's ability to snuff out danger in in his own end and then help create a transition exit or find a teammate who was a useful outlet just made him such an effective two-way D, and somebody who, even though he wasn't offensively gifted anymore, could still help you at least out of your own end, which is something that the Jets don't even do nowadays. Unlike the Bufflin situation, there is one positive that comes out of this, and it's that I think Enstrom actually has a true natural successor coming down the pipeline. This, of course, is Vili Heinola, who I already mentioned earlier, but I think stylistically they have a lot of similarities. Both are very good, uh, especially in their primes, at carrying the puck out of danger. Both are very smart players. Both have very uh, positive impacts on uh, scoring chance opportunities against. And I think both possess maturity beyond their years. Uh, you know, Enstrom, of course, was always going to be on the older side for the Jets because by the time he got to Winnipeg, he was like in his you know, mid to late 20s, and he was already an experienced veteran. What's fascinating about Heinola is that he came into the NHL at for just a, you know, a few handful of games, and even in the preseason and training games, he kind of noticed that he, he seemed to have an intelligence and a cerebral nature to his game that was, I mean, somebody you would think many years older than him was inhabiting his body with the way that he played. And I, I'm very excited to see what a full season of Heinola will look like next season. A, because the Jets kind of really need him to be uh, an anchor and a rock on this back end, but B, I also just miss somebody who is a defensively uh, stout and really effective transition D in the way that Enstrom used to be. I, I very much appreciate these guys who are not necessarily flashy blue liners, but incredibly effective at what they do. You know, very clean passes, great positioning, good edge work, you know, it doesn't have to be high-end mobility like Ehlers or anything, but it has to be enough. And Heinle seems to embody all of these characteristics with the added benefit of, like Enstrom in his younger years, being offensively talented in ways that I didn't anticipate. I mean, he already had, like, five points in his first eight games. And these points were the result of good vision, smart passing, great decision-making, sneaky good shooting. I I think that there's uh, more of an underrated offensive aspect to his game That I did not anticipate. Now, when he went back to Liga, those numbers and generally his overall performance kind of seemed to dip, but it's not something that I think is really indicative of the kind of player that he'll be for Winnipeg. We've already seen a sample of the fact that Heinola is most likely a top-pairing defenseman. I'm just going to go out and say that he's probably going to be Winnipeg's best blue liner in a couple of seasons, and I think that Heinola truly has elite and special talent above most defensive prospects in this league, I'm truly uh, excited to see what he's going to do. And I, you know, when I saw that uh, Scott Wheeler's list on the Athletic didn't have him in the top 50 drafted NHL prospects, even though he said he was just a, a near miss, I was kind of appalled. I mean, I, I think that we all have to say Heinola is somebody who is, you know, not only Liga uh, scoring wise in the same tier as a prospect like Miro Heiskanen when he was there, but also just an elite defensive prospect in general. We've already seen stuff from him in a brief NHL sample that suggests that there's so much more to come from him. He will be one of Winnipeg's quiet leaders on the back end, and I cannot wait to see him in action. Our replacement for Toby Enstrom is uh, coming along nicely, it would seem. We'll resume with another uh, Winnipeg Jet Heroes episode coming this weekend, and I'll talk about some of the other players that I think we all appreciate and enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampado. Have a great evening, and go Jets go.